action. Hi, this is Ross from the Creeping Arms from the podcast. You're listening to the Apotheosis of a Bombast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of an apotheosis of a bombast yes we are now up to 86 i am your host elton mamanis in the uk or england as i like to call it and across the water we have scott copperman in the us of a hello hello how are you i'm fine how are you my good sir i'm good i'm relaxing in the wondrous spring weather here just enjoying a quiet afternoon while the rest of the world seems to be going crazy all these strange stories we find and bits of news and facebook posts that you see up there just happy to curl up in my nice little calm section of the world and be happy it's not me yeah it <laughs> the world doesn't seem to be going too mad at the moment although i'm in the mood for designing a t-shirt maybe for 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 our show maybe mm-hmm. to celebrate 2012 i'm not too sure i had a a, a, a wall post is it called wall post on facebook i, I think know, so. from a from a friend in the village peter kelk hang on let me check his name otherwise he'll kill me yes that's it got it right <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was a uh a t-shirt from snorg's t uh yeah snorg's tees and it had I Survived the Rapture t-shirt, so I that got my brain ticking over. Maybe we can put one out for 2012. Yeah, that'd be good. If anyone out there has any suggestions of slogans that we could put on there, or any ideas that we could knock up, then let us know. Email us at bombastpodcast at gmail.com, and you know, the best one wins a copy of it, I suppose. Sure. I don't know. It's not exactly a competition, but there we go. Okay, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, see what we did there? We faked oh, them out. Pops. Oh, <laughs> Right. Confession. If I start groaning and moaning, I'm in absolute agony at the moment. I've somehow done my back in. Hmm. And I'm, I'm getting to that age where nooks and crannies are starting to hurt. And, oh, my back. And it's a really bizarre way I've actually hurt it as well. It's at the very base of the spine. I've actually got a wa- hot water bottle. Hang on. Can you hear that? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a hot water bottle. I'm like <laughs> 80 years old. But anyway, um, I was at work. We have these special pens. They're like Logitech pens. And they have a camera built into them and uh, a reader. And I think it's like an infrared laser in it as well. And it reads very uh, minuscule dots on these special sheets that we have to use for work Mm -hmm. and um, if we don't use this pen then I don't get paid and I was uh, on night call as you know this weekend Yep. and I went round a corner on a motorway and it rolled off my dashboard and under one of the seats (laughs) and so I thought oh no I need that I really need this pen and so I went hunting for it I pulled over at a um, a, a parking bit on the motorway went hunting for it and I had the, the door open and cars were whizzing past me with my bum hanging out the door trying to look under all these seats and <laughs> I couldn't find it and I must have just got a chill on the back uh, the base of my spine and now I'm in absolute agony I'm actually walking around 
as if I need a poo. And it looks horrible. <laughs> it looks really bad. But, yeah, you know, it's just one of them things, I suppose. And I, I suppose when you're, like, 20, you don't think... Only old people get back pain, don't they? Yeah, that's true. You don't worry about it back then. No, not one bit, but it's really bad. It, it, it really hurts. Actually, I'm having shooting pains going down one of my buttocks. And it's... Oh, it's horrible. Really horrible. So it... if I start crying then that, that's the reason why. Is it one of those aches and pains that you just can't... You can't stretch it or you can't address it in some way? No, I've I've tried to stretch it as if to put my hands on my back and stick out my, my belly and try and bend it at the back. And I did that and I must have snagged something because I, I got like this real big shooting pain up my spine. Ah. <laughs> like, oh. Which really, really hurt. But, And then I had to walk around Leicester Square with that pain hurting my back. And it oh, horrible. Especially, you're going to London and there's nowhere to park. Mm-hmm. And then you've got thousands of people just barging up you around and you've got a bad back. And then you've also got people doing body popping in the middle of the street and you want to look at it, but you can't because you have to go back to work. And oh, I did not have a good weekend. So it was, it was like they were sitting there mocking you. Look what we can do, and you can't even think about doing. Yeah, you can't even uh, watch us do it. That's how. Rigid actually, you are. watching them doing the body popping actually hurt my back physically. <laughs> watching them spin on their vinyl boards that they brought along with them, they were wicked though. But I had no time for them. I had places to be and people to see. I think the phrase goes. Something like but that. Yeah. Leicester Square is mental at the moment. It's absolutely... I think they're digging it up and putting other new bits in there. And they've got an M&M's world down there as well, which I find bizarre. I don't understand what that would be. You, you haven't been in one? No, no. What, what does it it's entail? every color of M&M that you could possibly want. And these giant <laughs> columns. And then a whole bunch of M&M swag. So you want a t-shirt, you want M&M coffee mugs... Yeah. Fork and spoon. But that, do, does it do anything? No, it's not. Or is it just money making? It's machine? just a store. <laughs> oh, it's a themed store. Okay, just to warn you, um, if you hear the Ben Ten music going off in the background, it's my work phone going off, and that means I'm not happy, Bunny, because I've got a call. Okay. And I've just had it, and I'm no, so I'm trying to get out of it. But shh, don't tell them. Don't tell them. Okay. Uh, so where were we? Uh, we ready to start talking about some stories and news going on locally? Oh yeah, that's right, okay. Um, well, can I first, um, one thing's been playing on my mind recently. Okay. It was from probably three weeks ago now. Uh, I know you're not into your motorsport at all, are you really? Uh, not too much, just Indy 500 sometimes and... Ah, Some did you watch the Indy 500 this year? I watched the ending of it. <laughs> yeah. How good was that, though? It happened again, like, two weeks later in a um, stock car race, I think. Yeah, wasn't it? Um, well, let, Maybe the same It was in uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., wasn't yes. it? He ran out of petrol on the last lap. Yeah. Right, okay. For anyone that doesn't know, because I'm a massive 
uh, Formula One fan, and I like to dip my toe into Indy cars every now and again. It is called Indy cars now, isn't it? Yes. It's not Champ cars anymore, or IRL. IRL, I still hear sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What What actually happened with did Did Champ car just go away? Because I I remember it was late nineties, wasn't it, that they actually split into two. I don't know. Oh. I do remember having toy cars though that were at least a couple that were called champ cars like in the right, same okay. same general look to it but that's what they were referred to as yeah because i think these cars look more like irl cars than actual champ cars they had a very slight different look i thought anyway but um three weeks ago there was the monaco grand prix which was fantastic and you also had the same day you had the indy 500 which they qualify over a whole month i think uh, they try and set fastest times and get into a field of 33. And I think leading the last, what, 10 laps? I can't remember the guy who's actually leading it. it oh, because I'm not actually au okay with everyone who's actually racing. But it was a rookie that was leading, and he, he, he was on the last lap. He came round the second to last corner. He had a bit of traffic in front of him, and he went to go round the outside of some traffic on the very final corner and ended up sticking it into the wall and Dan Wilden ended up winning the Indy 500. Now, I've been, ever since that, I've my kids always want to see it. They go, oh no, show us the Indy car. Crash again, Dad, on YouTube. And so I show them again. And every time I see it, a little bit of my heart breaks for the guy. I feel so sorry for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I should have reported on it last week, I suppose. I suppose, but it's just been playing on my mind ever ever since that. I don't know. I think it's more the did he choke or did he just make a mistake or because from what I'm aware, normally there's possibly two lines into every corner. You sometimes can go two abreast, mm-hmm. but this year it was just for some reason the marbles were just too bad, and you ended up if you touched the grey, then you were just drawn to the the, the outside wall and this guy did it on the very last corner and hey, it's, it's shocking to be honest I feel so sorry for the guy for the year here comes J.R. Hildebrand this time by the white flag is in hand two yeah, bring it home come on baby bring it home keep going the 23 year old from Sausalito California listen to the crowd cheer him on and how fitting for the National Guard car to win if he can indeed do that. If he got enough fuel to make it to the end. Half a lap. He's got a half a lap to go, and he's the Indy 500 champion. Panther racing. Oh, so good. They finish second here. Twice here. They come again through the final two corners. J.R. Hildebrand. There's more traffic. He's got to get around the lap. Traffic. Finishing second the last two years wins when J.R. Hildebrand hits the wall coming out of four, just as Schechter did. What a tremendous finish. What a drive for Weldon. I'm tell- I've been saying it all day that outside lane is a. 
mean, the machines are so finely tuned to those. I mean, the tires, the fact that the tires survive <laughs> the couple of laps that they do is amazing. But, you know, I, I just assumed that there had to be just a little bit of a traction issue, either from the temperature or the tire just gave a little bit. And But, yeah, I know what you mean. Usually there's you can go low or you, you basically follow the same same path through the turn mm. just because of the uh, the physics of it. So you, don't, so you don't get thrown into the wall. You go up the bank slightly and, and that's Yeah, it. it didn't even hit the wall on the exit of the turn. It was more towards the exit of the turn. It already hit the, the wall and then he exited the turn. And you could see him rubbing against the wall with uh, two wheels off of his wagon and you saw the car was just pa- trying to power towards that line, rubbing against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously there was a bit of controversy where Dan Wilden had taken over the lead and then won the Indy 500 and whether the actual flag was fro- uh, thrown. So uh, the guy who came second would have won it. It's There's a lot of controversy, controversy about it at the moment, but it's just one of them, did he choke or was it just sheer bad luck or rookie error because he wasn't a rookie uh, going on to win it as well I, and I would think you know the more you think about it he's coming out of the final turn he can he knows he's coming into the the finish just got a little bit ahead of himself just like they talk about in um like in American football they'll say someone doesn't catch the ball because he's already thinking about the run that he's going to have to make instants later but you know, yeah. he takes his eyes off for a minute to look ahead, and and maybe just that same kind of mistake of, oh, you know, I'm, he, he can anticipate it, and his his brain got ahead of the moment. Yeah, kind of. You can also do that in snooker as well. If you're thinking more about where you actually want to put the whites, you can take your eye off the ball from the actual pot itself. Yeah. And surely the pot is more important than the actual positioning for the next ball. At that stage, anyway, but yeah, I I keep watching it. I don't know why. I just keep watching it, and it's just one of them things that you just always remember. Poor little sod. <laughs> well, maybe okay. that'll ease some of the the emotions you have pent up within you now that you've shared that. I I do feel a little better. My hot water bottle is still warm in my back, so I'm happy. <laughs> Okay, have you seen any stories around lately? A uh, couple things. Uh, we've been putting some stuff up on the Facebook page, and I know you have a couple things too. On Facebook today, I actually had shared a post about Human Centipede 2, which... Oh, yes. I did not see Human Centipede number one. I, I know what it is. I've seen the South Park parody of it as well. But um, I forget... In a typical chain of link to a link to a link to a link, it, what was I looking at? It might have been about the new Super 8 trailer or something that came up, but in the corner was this mention of Human Centipede 2, and my thought was, there can't really be a Human Centipede 2. Uh, uh, as far as I'm aware, they're trying to make a trilogy. Well, I, it's just... Uh. So, not knowing much about what Human Centipede 1 really was, because I hadn't seen the movie, I kind of went with the notion that it was a horror film and you know people are kidnapped and they're turned into this awful creature and 
It sounds like that's mm. basically what the first movie was. But uh, Human Centipede 2 goes a different route. <laughs> if if this uh, article which we have, and we'll put the show notes, is correct, it says that uh, the film committee in the UK will not allow the film to be released. Not on DVD, not in cinema. Not at all, right? You can't get a copy of it anywhere. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, apparently we don't get the internet over here either, yeah. so we won't be able to get it on the internet. Human Centipede 2 tells the story of a man who becomes sexually obsessed with the first film. The sequel presents graphic images of sexual violence, forced defecation, and mutilation, and the viewer is invited to witness events from the perspective of the protagonist. Protagonist, what do you think? It's the man who's sexually obsessed? So you get, I don't know. You get to view them from his perspective? What, so the film's about a person who's seen the film? He saw the first film, and it's his new fetish. Oh. That sounds a bit rubbish. Whereas the first film... Whereas in the first film, the centipede idea is prevented as a revolting medical experiment with the focus on whether the victims will be able to escape. The sequel presents the centipede idea as the object of the protagonist's depraved sexual fetish. I heard... I can't remember where I heard it from, so if... The people that said this are listening, then I'm sorry, and let me know, and then I'll you know, credit you. But I heard that the first one was conjoining three people, um, buttocks to mouth, and then the second movie was going to be more people added to that, or a, a new session of more people making a longer one. And the third one, I don't know, they were going to make a circle out of the people and just let them walk around and... <laughs> I don't know. Sounds gross, man. I don't know. But that... Uh, I I know there are these small studios that make, you know, low-budget films. And, you know, they make just enough money sometimes just because the novelty factor. But this this yeah. just seems like something where it's almost indefensible. <laughs> the... Well- the, the first one was, we actually reported on it when it came out. I'm not so sure if it was out in cinemas or DVD when we spoke about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it got all the hype because of the idea behind it about conjoining these three people together. And people were grossed out going, oh, that's so gross. And this one, if if it had come out and it had just been another crappy B-movie um, 2 or you know, a sequel to that first crappy movie, then if they'd just sent, you know, put an 18 certificate on it and sent it on its way, then I don't think there would have been many problems with it. People would have gone, oh, look, have you seen that? Oh, that's gross. Oh, they're just trying to do it again. A bit like Hostel 2 yeah. or Saw 2 or all of them type of films that you, you can pick up now. Mm-hmm. But with them actually banning it and saying that we're too immature to choose for ourselves, then it just highlights it. You look on Twitter now, it's trending on Twitter at the moment. BBFC is trending and the Human Centipede is trending right now. And so you've got millions of people talking about it. People who haven't heard about the first one are going, oh, this is trending. What's all this about? Learning about the film and then deciding whether they want to see it or not. And it's just building up the hype for a crap movie, which it really doesn't have... You know, it, it's just a movie. It's just there for entertainment. But... Let us choose 
well, let us decide ourselves if we want to see it or not. Well, don't I... then ban it and then create hype about it and then create a a need and a want and a need for piracy for it. I'll make a a case for the censorship because it does, even though it's still accessible, it pushes it to the fringes of the internet and backroom DVD sales and things like that. And in the same way that it's probably been just in the last 15 to 20 years that like swear words and stuff on television, especially in, in the U.S., like uh, the idea of a of an R rating or a PG rating has definitely shifted down. What was yeah. what was an adult, a mature audience film uh, in the past isn't anymore, because a lot of those movies it was a little bit of blood, some bad language, nudity, but not not nudity in the extent that you can be nude now in a film. And there's something about it. That somewhere along the line, a film, a film avoided that X rating and was an R instead, and and the relative scale, I guess, shifts and and people say, they try to, they try to have components of it without going all the way to that edge. It kind of blurs a little bit. They try to make it more accessible. For this to be, in a whole separate category, that doesn't bother me because I I feel like had they found a way to kind of let it be in the open to the public to make their own decision about in such an accessible way i it it would have it would have contaminated things <laughs> yeah i mean you still you still can get it you really want to see this film there's there's ways for you to get it but um had they allowed it to be there there would have been copies of it, variations of it, there would have been parodies of it, it would have been it would have had its its taint on <laughs> on everything down the road, it would have been a contributing factor to this continual decline so for them to say no, it's going to have to find its own way into the public water stream that's, I'm fine with that I don't know, I'm I'm of the opinion that it should just be released and not create all this hype that's unworthy of it. Well, that's I, the only way I see it. I can see it's counterproductive that they're. I mean, they're giving giving it free advertising and all, and, and maybe they were even counting on that. Uh, the people who made the film, but as far as censorship goes, it's not like the people who made the film are being persecuted. They're not being charged with a crime. They're not being forbidden from making films. The films are no. not being destroyed or burned or anything like that. All they're saying is, uh, in basically, an agency just like Walmart could choose not to sell that store, not to sell that video in their stores, or not to carry a particular line of clothing or brand of food or something. This British Board of Film Classification has decided, no, <laughs> we're not going to bring it into our our sanctioned film collection. So, I, I mean, I guess it becomes illegal for other people to sell it. So, then in that sense, it's uh, more severe than what I'm saying. Yeah. But okay, the, fair enough. But the people who made it are not being punished, other than uh, restrictions on what they how they can sell it. I don't know. Like, oh. I'm kind of going in circles, I guess. But 
I'm well, right with there's it. no need to punish them, though, is there? Surely. It's, no. They've just made a, a movie, and maybe you're right in saying that they left certain bits in the movie so it would create this hype. Well, if if the school, if the library... Uh, if the library, whether it's a school library, town library, whatever, they they choose books that they want to offer. Now, if, if all the libraries in the UK and, and in the United States decided... They didn't want to carry a particular book. Is that something that's wrong? You can still get the book on your own. Yeah. I don't know. There's just a very fine line between that and just abnormal publicity for something that doesn't really deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the publicity, it you're drawing more attention to it than you wanted to. And that's, like you said, it's trending, all those things. So in that sense... The BBFC's not doing uh, anything that seems worthwhile there. And in terms of the censorship part of it, I totally get the idea that that uh, it starts to open the door to subjective decision-making. Someone can be offended by this. How about they're offended by a gay couple? How about they're offended by person person's uh, clothes or speech pattern or any of that stuff? But... I think we're pretty far to the side here. <laughs> it's not like yeah. this is creepy in the middle and it's subjective and that's a, it's it's basically it's it's a porno film is how it sounds. Like they talk about um the protagonist he masturbates to watching the first film and he wraps barbed wire around his body parts and stuff. It's uh-huh. that's not a mainstream film. That's <laughs> that's a uh, you know, that's not made for for public consumption. Film there, no, no, I suppose not. There was when I was at school, we had uh, three films, or is it two films? Uh, I know um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was banned, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was banned over here. And you had the Life of Brian, which was banned also. Oh really? How about yeah. Fritz the Cat? Is that the X-rated cartoon? Fritz the cat? What the hell is that? It's uh, it's like in the 70s. It's an old, old school cartoon porn. Like, bat. it was... Uh, oh. But that was like cat? a mainstream movie. It was like a cartoon, basically. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, actually, I, I've never seen it. But I remember it being like this mysterious movie that some kid claimed he saw. And it's, oh, that's an X-rated film. And... Well, yeah, that's what I was going to hit on. Uh, also, is there a film called Driller Killer? I don't know offhand. Because I remember hearing stories of a film called Driller Killer, and that was banned. And being told, we went on a, a school camping trip and telling ghost stories, and one guy literally recited the whole movie of Driller Killer. I, God knows if he was just spilling guff all over me or not. I'm not too sure, but <laughs> it was... It was scary, man. You should have been in that tent. It was well scary. I was absolutely cacking my pants. But it it's that hype between teenager kids that actually makes you want to see the film because all your friends, in inverted commas, have seen the film. I've seen this film. Oh, it definitely exists. And you, you're thinking, okay, well, how do I get my hands on this? And I think nowadays with, with the um, the internet... 
and I'm pretty sure we're on the internet in this country. Mm-hmm. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're on the internet and kids finding out about this and hearing about this at school because other people have heard about it somewhere along the line. With it being banned, just creates a bit more hype around it and then they will it might not it might not even be a kid that really wants to see it but now he's heard the hype about it around being around school and it being banned and now he has to go and find it and click on it and then throw up all over his desktop <laughs> i don't know no, right. it's just i i can understand what you're saying if there's a book then a library has it's it's kind of not the same sort of thing though is it no, because this has the extra punishment of if you decide you want to have it, that's against the law. Yeah. Fritz the Cat mm. is an X, the first animated X-rated feature in the United States. It's from 1972. Does it involve a cat? It involves a cat named Fritz. Oh, man. Fritz the Cat is a comic strip created by Robert Crumb. I was thinking it might be a, a cat burglar. And the whole story of the lucky burglar. <laughs> so anyway, that was a, a bit of news that, you know, I was on the forefront of, I guess, because I didn't realize it was trending at that point. But I was like, well, this is creepy and disturbing, but newsworthy. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you another creeping and disturbing bit of news then. Teens warn of risk from vodka tampon use. I know, I can already hear your disgust at my story choice. (laughs) Police in southern Germany warned this week of a dangerous new form of alcohol abuse among teens, using tampons soaked in vodka to get drunk quicker and hide the smell. The practice poses grave health risks, they said. Police uh, in a town in Germany, which I cannot pronounce again, responded Tuesday to a grown online... Oh, hang on. They responded Tuesday to a grown online chatter among teenagers that they can become intoxicated by using vodka tampons without having alcohol on their breath. Apparently it's not true. You can't get drunk, but there's a a big side effect of actually sticking a tampon in you. Either, I think guys are doing this anally, sticking tampons. See, if you had a tampon, wouldn't it like swell up anyway? And that would just be like trying to put a flannel up here, surely. Or or a, a wet mouse, <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, and they say because the skin is so thin in both them areas, then the the alcohol is absorbed, and so you can go to school drunk with a a wet mouse in you, either you know front or back garden, and the teachers won't smell you smell the alcohol on your breath anyway and have you ever heard of these people doing shots in their eyes as well yes isn't this just Uh, another form of that yeah yeah it's someone who was in a biology class and oh wait the cell wall is thicker is thinner here or this this legitimate medicine is used like you the way you'd use a patch on your skin or you you give Mm. eye drops because it gets in your bloodstream like, what happened to just drinking beers through straws so you can slow. get drunk quicker? <laughs> yeah, but that was surely that was one of the quickest ways to do it because if you drink it through a straw, you're not taking any air in with you, and so you're not filling up with gas. 
or extra gas that you would be taking in. And so your every gulp is just pure uh, alcohol, alcoholic liquid. But no, the kids have to go mental these days and pour it into their eyes and pour it up their bums and <laughs> any other orifice. Soon they'll be cutting ribbons into their arms and just pouring it directly in there and putting a bit of salt in there as well. Jeez. Or, or you find uh, medical students and instead of having uh, the the intravenous drips, it would just be intravenous vodka drips. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, look, look at this, man. Let's squirt it in as hard as we can. Whoa, look. He's turning blue. No. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely a, uh, a bad trend. I'm glad that they're trying to crack down on it. But it, it's the same thing you just talked about before. And now that here's this article saying this is bad, there's a group of people who are going, ooh, didn't think of that. No, they must be doing it wrong. Yeah. But who wants to be the guy with the tampon hanging out of his bottom? Just so you try and get drunk. I would bet it's more of a uh, feminine thing than a men. You probably get a few men who do it, but not as many. Mm. And then you get into the position of sharing you know, drunken tampons. and uh, blah. I'm actually going to throw up a little bit, I think. So I'm looking at this other link on the same page. Hundreds of Facebook users crash teen's birthday party. Some 1,500 people showed up outside the house of a Hamburg girl celebrating her 16th birthday on Friday after she posted an invite on the social networking site Facebook but mistakenly listed the party as a public event. Unfortunately, she forgot to mark the celebration as private, police spokesman Mirko Strieber told the news agency. Well, she said... Deserves everything she gets. Sorry. She canceled the party after 15,000 people RSVP'd to her Sweet 16 birthday bash via Facebook. Police broke up the party at 1.55 a.m. on Saturday morning. More than 100 officers were at the scene. Teresa opted to celebrate her birthday elsewhere. In McDonald's. There were, there were stones, bottles, and fireworks flying. Party guests took apart people's front lawns. Fences were trampled. Some revelers opted to enjoy the celebrations from garage rooftops on the street. I think if you mark it as public by accident, then you you still deserve everything you get. Well, this is probably because she's a 16-year-old girl. You know, if it was, uh, you know, if I sit there and put a pub birthday invitation <laughs> and accidentally mark it public, there's not going to be 15,000 people at my door. No. And I mean, uh, I don't know, but you know, she probably had like a flirty little picture on there. Not, not that that makes it her fault, but I'm just saying that, you know, as people sit there and they do a search, oh, ooh, she looks cute, and then and, yeah, you can't say that though. They'll be like, um, that they have like a slut walk because you said that now. They have like, well, I, I can because I want to, so I will put it private, uh, public. So I don't know. Uh, if I did that publicly, I'd be sitting on my doorstep waiting for people to turn up. And, but I, I put it public. Come on, guys, please. And no one shows. <laughs> Just sitting there with my, my cool beer on the doorstep. Well, it may also have been moved along. Sometimes you get like that friend of a friend who's not really a friend that decides to take screw you over, basically, and be like... <laughs> Let's take Teresa's invite and put it here and here and here and here and here. Oh, yeah. 
and it would be, oh, have you heard that party that everyone's going to because she put it on uh, public by accident? We're going. Are you going? Yeah, bring your mates as well. We're, we're going to crush it. <laughs> well done, guys. When I was in high school, about three or four people, I didn't start it, but I helped spread the rumor. I was maybe like the fifth, fourth or fifth person in this the small group that had started this idea of there's going to be a party at Frank Rico's house. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing happens all the time, I think, but um, it spreads so quickly and, and virally through the school that the principal came on at the end of the school day and, you know, they're doing the end of the evening, end of the day announcements. You know, mm-hmm. remember tomorrow is chicken salad for lunch, blah, blah, blah. And, I've been asked to inform the student body there will be no party at Frank Rico's house on Friday afternoon. <laughs> it was just one of those legendary things that then, you know, party at Rico's, party at Rico's, it just kind of became a bit of the lore and, uh, you know, what do they call it, like a meme for the school. <laughs> oh, that sounds wicked. That's I Having seen that happen among... 1,200 students in the school. I mean, people who had no idea who he was, had no idea who he was, were talking about, how do you get to Frank's house? What times? Oh, his parents are cool with it? Okay, good, you know. Can I get a ride? Stuff like that. So I could see how this would just explode. Oh, yeah. I had put one other thing up on the Facebook wall about the new Smurf movie. Just that, you know it was going to happen eventually, but someone actually put it in writing and said, Smurfs are racist. Mm. Which, I mean, the reasoning behind it is is more racist than any claim that's made in there. You know, when there's a how how are Smurfs racist? Well, there was a story called Black Smurfs, oh. where when Smurfs uh, get sick, they turn black. And they uh, get stupid and they can't speak and things. So Smurfette's blonde. You know, she's a blonde Aryan female. So it's there's a link on our Facebook page, and we'll put it in the show notes as well, that has a video interview of this uh, French sociologist who says Smurfs are racist. But if it's in the canon of Smurfs, I don't know if there is a canon of Smurfs, that they actually when they do get sick, they turn black. But if a Smurf's going to die, then surely that's the colour that he would go anyway. I don't know, I find it very, very hard that someone says this is racist on something that doesn't actually bloody exist. It's uh, Can you be racist to a fictional character? I see what you're saying, but I think you can show racist tendencies in... Uh, just like, y- you may not be like a wife abuser you may not be um like violent against women but just if you're hot tempered and and derogatory toward you know oh wonder woman she's such a bitch you know she's the weakest of the superheroes that kind of you you can display bits of what's going on in your head yeah and some of your other behavior so i could see how someone would say if you're going to call those avatar people they're, they're smurfs that's the same kind of assuming that avatar people don't like smurfs it's a derogatory put down well <laughs> but maybe they maybe that's a an honor he called me I, a smurf 
I suppose I can understand that logic in you're offending the fake character by calling it another fake character. But you're, because if you, you're showing your tendency to to put people down. You're showing a, a tendency to group whole peoples and to try to um, put a higher thing in terms of a lower thing. You know, they're far more okay. than Smurfs. Aliens come down here and kidnap and nick hillbillies all the time. I've just been racist twice there because once you've got hillbillies, because they're a race, and you've also got aliens which are coming from another place, which are another race, and I'm just tarring them with the same brush that they stick anal probes up everyone. Right, well, have you seen Starship Troopers? Yeah. All right, so now the army people in Starship Troopers, uh, they, I forget what they call uh, the aliens. They call them bugs most of the time, but... Yeah, I think it's that same kind of of uh, disrespectful classification they're talking about. The, you know the way that, the way those army guys talk about those aliens. I'm certainly not flattering, and it's it's full of of a derogatory tone and and dislike. So, in that sense, is Starship Troopers a racist propaganda movie? No. But I would say, people could say that several of those soldiers are likely racists. Now against it, the bugs. Yeah, well, I would be racist in general. If if they're going to act that way toward bugs, then they probably act that way toward all groups. I think that's the generalization people make. And if the bugs had, uh, like Jar Jar Binks, they talk about Jar Jar Binks being a racist creation. Because his speech pattern and um, who are the other the Trade Federation the from the first movie yeah that just even though they're not of a certain ethnicity they have the characteristics of an ethnicity and of a real life group and and so they feel like that's what George Lucas is really trying to say is that that's the way the real life group is. Right, okay, because I had trouble with the um, the Transformers robots, because everyone said that they were being racist as well. You know, the two dumbass ones yeah. that are bouncing around and trying to be comedic and just not. And I've heard a lot of people say, uh, saying that they're racist, and I I saw the stupidity in them. I didn't see the racial tendencies in it, though. Yeah, and I see what you mean. To be honest, I was like, okay, it's just two dumbass robots bouncing around trying to be funny, and they're not. Where where do you draw the line? You know, yeah, I think it's because they were supposed from? to be like urban street people, and you know they weren't. Uh, they weren't little suburban rich robots. <laughs> they they were like ghetto robots, acting that way. You know, acting the way they acted, and and having the Stereotype, stereotypical look of being from the ghetto, I guess. Right. Okay. But yeah, it's like you said. We were talking about hillbillies before. I mean, or the Amish. People talk about the Amish here in the United States a lot, but the Amish aren't going to stand up for themselves. They don't even watch TV. <laughs> Listen to, you know, they as a group, 
sometimes they forsake uh, you know the modern world. So it it's just so hard. You got to tread so carefully sometimes because we could turn around and say, "Well, the Amish aren't going to hear this," and you know, could someone construe that as being racist? I don't know. We've actually got onto the racism uh, topic now. Next, we'll be talking about cannabis and whether that should be legalized and brothels and stuff like that. Next week, brothels. Should, should I be allowed in one? All right. Well, I'll give you a, a separate... We'll shift gears slightly. Um, now, I just made the comment about uh, Amish, and clearly I'm, I would hope it was clear to everyone I wasn't trying to demean the Amish peoples. I was just speaking an example. And And... It was certainly my intent not to offend, and I don't really expect someone who's a devout Amish aficionado to be listening to our show. Not because they yes. can't listen to our show. There may be a cousin, a friend of a boyfriend of a spouse that has connections, but just I don't expect them to be part of our listening audience. So I was trying to explain to um, my son that, like the deal with the internet and how you have to be careful what you have and you don't. And we were reading a story about uh, a couple who got divorced and part of the divorce settlement was who's who got Facebook friends because they they felt it would be awkward that you know to have friends in common and you know they agree oh, you're joking part of the settlement they had to unfriend each other and like if it came to be I think a lot of mutual friends stayed mutual friends in the end but um there was a line drawn for the future. So what happened was about two or three years after this, the husband, ex-husband decides he's feeling low. He's, he's got just a little bit of venom in him and he makes a joke at the, uh, ex-wife's expense. And I guess maybe mutual friends, there weren't that many or, or he kind of felt like they might've been mutual friends, but if they were more his friend, that's all they really cared about. If they were more her friend, they weren't really paying attention to him anymore. But the joke got passed along, and somehow she found out, and, and she got pissed at him. And, and his defense, and the, he actually wrote the article, and he said, you know, you've got to be careful what you do, was his point. And he said, and I'd just like to say, I'm sorry, and it blanked out the name. And he said, I, I didn't mean to hurt you. It was something I said in a time when I was feeling low. And I never expected you to hear it. So getting back to what I just said about the Amish situation, does that defend it? You know, if it's if it's expected to be said in close company. Obviously, we're on a podcast, so that's not applying here so much. But if yeah. you send an email and you say something nasty about me and you send it to Kennedy not expecting me to ever see it and it somehow it gets back to me does does that minimize my right to be upset oh does that, does I explain that well did you follow that whole chain <laughs> I, I think so <laughs> it makes me want to weep that people actually put it in their divorce papers about Facebook I don't know I don't know well I, tying that back to the the racist thing just that I mean does it if someone doesn't mean for it to be interpreted that way does that mitigate the consequences of 
gee, you made that character have an afro and dress in these style of clothes and talk with this speech pattern. I mean, sometimes it's it's unlikely that it's accidental, but like some of those old Disney things and uh, old cartoons, old TV shows. Yeah. Like, well, wasn't Tintin uh, hugely racist at one point as well, wasn't it? I think so. I think a lot of those shows, like a lot of the things from when I was growing up and probably some from when you were growing up are, if you see a version of them now, they're edited heavily and they're sanitized. Yeah. I'll tell you what is as well. If you ever read the Mr. Men uh, books, they are very borderline. There was, I think there was Mr. one Man, where Mr. The Little Miss, those little, uh, yeah, yeah. Things. Uh, Mr. Jelly, he walks out into the woods and he stumbles across a tramp. You can't call them tramps anymore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you have to call them a, a unfortunate homeless person. But no, this is written as a tramp. And he's quite a polite and well-spoken tramp. But he's still a tramp. But that would never get written now. Have you ever seen those figurines? Those like hobo clown figurines? They were real popular for a while. Hobo clown figure. They're like it's a it's a collector's statue. It's about like maybe twelve inches tall. That's a great name for a band, by the way. But they'll be like there's these clowns, these poor clowns, and they're just in these different situations. One might be playing a tuba, might be begging, might be feeding a dog. They're just these. Oh, I have to find it now. I'm intrigued. There's a famous name for them. Are they like down on their luck clowns? Kind of. No, that's uh. Let's see, vintage collectible. Where, where? Porcelain sad clowns, hobo clown, hobo clown. Playing tonight at Madison Square Gardens, we have hobo clown figurines. I have a hobo clown figurine sitting snoozing in a large chair. Oh, it's killing me. I can't remember what they're called, but they're. They're very common. Here, I'll just send you a... Well, if you do Google search of hobo clown figurines and look at the images. Oh, the one with the little stick on their back and the um, the handkerchief with all their worldly positions yeah. in. Isn't that just a clown? That's just a sad clown, isn't it, surely? Well, there's a whole collection of figurines that you can get that are them doing different, doing different things. Oh, these are freaky. Uh, no, I... Don't want one of these. If anyone's out there, don't buy me one of these hobo things. I'd imagine they dance across my tabletop. Horrible little things. <laughs> Evil. <laughs> Alright, well that's all I had for stories for today. Yeah. Can I just say, uh, you put up a video on the Facebook page of the... Uh, I think you put it on, in the thing, in the actual field, Who Needs an Xbox? It was a... It looked of, like a uh, a Nerf or water pistol. Yeah, it's a music uh, video with kids uh, basically acting out Call of Duty scenes or that type of action. And uh, that is proper bonkers. That is quite grim in places yeah. where you got kids bouncing around shooting. Obviously, they they can't see the blood and guts, but there's there's literally blood and literally guts. Yeah, everything's animated. Out. It's it's a video of kids running around with Nerf guns, and uh, like they've cartooned over puffs of smoke and bullets, and like on a headshot where a kid will snap his head back and just fall down and go, Ugh, 
they actually made a little puddle of blood and a splatter and stuff on the wall. It's brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. But there's there's a couple of machine gun fights, close quarter machine gun fights, and one of the kids gets one another kid up against the wall and just riddles him with bullets. And it is so, so grim. They have uh, like it's your really typical dark. kidnapped reporter scene with a bag over the head and they're doing a video ransom thing and then they just slit the kid's throat and they <laughs> blood splatters all over. But it's all, I mean, it's all cartoon blood, but you know those kids had the best time making it. Oh, yeah. Because for their yeah. part of it, they just had a giant Nerf gun fight. Yeah, they were told to just go to town on it, weren't yeah. they? Oh, it's dark though. But wonderful at the same time. Yeah, I just found that too. That was just random. I guess the Greeks is the band, and uh, I'm not sure what the name of the song is, <laughs> but you can find it on our Facebook page. Okay, right. My last story for today, if you don't mind, sure. ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have hypnotist mishap leads people in trance. Three people were left in trance on the stage when a hypnotist knocked himself out during a show in Dorset. Entertainer David Days from Weymouth was performing at Portland's Royal Manor Theatre on Friday evening when he was tripped over by an audience member's legs. He was in the middle of bringing the participants out of a hypnotic state and could not be roused by his stage team. The audience were asked to leave the theatre, but they initially thought that the commotion was all part of the act and applauded. Uh, Apparently he came to moments later, probably minutes later, I would have thought. Oh, it says here, after a few minutes, Mr. Dave came round and was able to wake up the hypnotised trio. I'd love for this to be, that just get one person and put him in a trance, bang, you're asleep, and then wake him up maybe a year later, and all of a sudden when he wakes up, he's got a, a fully grown beard. <laughs> would your body let you do that? Would it snap out of it on its own? I don't know. These these were only under for, let's say, at maximum an hour. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long you'd actually be in a trance. Would you be in a trance forever? What happens if you'd done like a... Um, we have to uh, eat and who's drink. The en- who's the entertainer that died on stage? I don't know. Uh, the guy that used to wear a fez. Oh, what's it? Tommy, Tommy Cooper. Did you ever see that? No. Oh, Tommy Cooper died mid-stage. He had a heart attack on stage. It's one of the... Oh, it's, blah. I remember my mum and dad telling me that they actually watched the live show about that and it, that's dark as well. But he, he had a uh, a heart attack mid-performance uh, mid and um, he, he slumped to the ground and then fell backwards. And because of his comic timing and the way that he was, the whole audience just burst out into laughter and were just laughing away and then the curtain was drawn and then you see his legs being tucked underneath the the curtain and then later on everyone knew that he'd actually died hmm. yeah would this happen to a uh, hypnotist would you be able to sustain life hypnotized be really weird just waking up from a a, a trance only moments like your brain would think only moments later but you got a full beard and quite a bit of a pot belly well you figure you have to eat you know, I don't know if you can sleep on that. Could you be hypnotized? You know, they they hypnotize you and and make you do certain things, act like a chicken, walk over here. Could you be hypnotized and made to think 
made to live out your life for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But maybe like, you know, I hypnotize you and make you think you're my son. And so then you go through for a week, two weeks, a month thinking you're Jay. And then when you snap out of it, well, you think you won't remember any of it potentially. Yeah. But you will have eaten and drank and slept. And there must be some natural defense that snaps you out of it. But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know. I don't understand it one bit. Sometimes I think it's bogus. Sometimes I think it's some people want to be hypnotized and so they do it and so they just play along. I don't know. It does seem though, have you ever been at a live hypnotist show? No, because I won't, I won't go to anything like that just in case they try and pull me out. Yeah, well, I, when, I've been to a couple, like at work sometimes they have, they bring someone in and and they'll, they'll look to entertain everyone, they'll kind of do like a a show for the employees and all but like I I'll leave when he does the initial part because I don't want to be the person who's susceptible and I'll come back in and watch after but it's funny out of like you know maybe a group of a hundred they go through the thing and then there's like six people who seem to just it just strikes a chord and they they're gotten and they in those instances they're people I know weren't in on it or anything they just were Highly susceptible. Mm. Very sceptical about this sort of stuff. But yeah, everyone's worked out fine, so life goes on for everyone, I suppose. Okay. Um, Anything else for anything else, or should we wrap it up there? Uh, I think that's good. I have a site, but I'll I'll continue to save it. I think we've had a, a good long show today. It's a lot for people to listen to. Okay, good stuff. Right, let's do a bit of housekeeping and tidying up and get rid of the cobwebs. Cobwebs. Right. Um, if you've got any opinions or anything like that about racist smurfs or racist other things or other people's uh, mindsets or anything Why you want to... Why the Amish are bad. Yeah, or <laughs> you know, evil or anything that you want to contribute, then send it to uh, bombastpodcast at gmail.com and where we our sack will fill up to bulging point, at which point we will open the sack and spill all its contents all over the internet. Uh, if you want to contact us directly, then I'm on Twitter at Ultimate Manus, and Scott is on at uh, SHC1970. Uh, mm-hmm. The show notes for this wonderful show and many others, 85 behind it as well, there will be up at... Uh, oh, shit, what is it? Um, Bombast Podcast... <laughs> dot podbean.com my own went blank there horrible feeling that's and right they all know anyway yeah we need some more uh uh ratings in itunes please if you don't mind would be nice uh yes you go on go on you know you want to i can i can tell that you really want to and also check out the rogue 2 page which is at rogue2.com you've got lots of other little shows there that you'd like to listen to and fill your ears with love and I yeah, think... it's a nice nice catalogue of of varied shows that's good to check out, get exposed to some podcasts maybe you haven't heard. And uh you know, just kinda support support them if you can. Just you know, if you like what you hear, tell some other people. Yeah. Give the feed a listen. It's a way for you to get our shows and also a few more and just pick and choose. That's right. And also, if you want to join the Facebook page, then just check out the, the links in the show notes or just look for an apotheosis of a bombast in Facebook and stick whatever you want there, even if you see 
a really tiny news story that you think oh, the guys might be interested in that, then stick it up there and we most probably will because we're always scratching for material. So since you mentioned the Facebook page, there's 83 people who like us right now. I'm going to randomly scroll through the list of likers. I'm going to go up and down, up and down until you tell me to stop. And that will be our liker of the day, liker of the show. Oh, okay, go on. Keep scrolling. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And... Stop. <laughs> Scott Copperman is our liker of the show. Well done to that right man Right in between there. Mike King and Matt Smith. Little... How did you... You know what? Because I'm not, I'm not at the bottom or the top. I'm right in the middle here. Yeah. Well done. Well, 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 Scott, if you're listening, congratulations. <laughs> you are the listener of the day. I and will this... happily accept that honor. Shut up. And this episode is di- uh, directly sent to you through the magical form of ones and noughts. So I'm really pleased that you get that. And email us. If you're listening now, email us where you're actually listening to us so we know where you were listening to us. Um, podcast. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I got send an email quick. Yeah. It's like talking to yourself in the future. Hey, I got an email. Oh, it's from me. Anyway, uh, that right. was uh, seriously 28th on the list of 83. I'm 28th up for whatever reason. And that just you didn't scroll it. You just saw your name. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Well, you're you're number one. Yeah. Or of course. Hello. You look at it. There's yourself, Andrew Dickerson, Marianne. Uh, stop reading the names out, and we we can do that every week for 83 weeks. You know what I think. This is a, a window into who liked us when, I think. So, uh, Richard Smith, good to see you joined us just a short while ago. I'd like to thank our most loyal listener, Elton McManus. Oh, yes. Never mind, that's you again. Sorry. That's, that's fine. That's fine. It's a good name. It's a good, strong name. Yes. So, anyway, thank you, Scott Copperman, for listening, and uh, we appreciate your liking the show. Yes. And, yes, Scott, if you are listening... Um, we will see you next week. Uh, so thank you very much, guys. And once wait, again, wait, 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 one more. We need oh. a moral. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, right. I thought of a moral already. Okay. Party at Rico's. Party at Rico's. I love it. Sweet. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Party at Rico's, 3 p.m. Friday. We'll see you in a week. See you there. Be there or be um square. I think that's Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I've been asked to make an announcement. There will be no party at Frank Rico's house on Friday at 3 p.m. You know this bit at at the end of the the podcast? It's like the bit where they turn the lights on and off in a club. And so, you know, our listeners can actually physically or mentally think about the lights going on and off or the last bell ringing in the pub. Then this is the sort of situation. And as the music builds... You get get to see how that girl who looks so pretty at 11 o'clock in the dark, you get to see what she really looks like. Yeah. And you start to go, oh my god, I gotta get out of here. And right now the listeners are doing the same thing. Welcome to Rogue2.com, a collection of great podcasts. 
Making the top 10 European podcast award list, it's the ICE podcast. A woman wins millions from a Texas lottery for the fourth time. <laughs> Can you imagine being the queue to buy your lottery ticket behind her? <laughs> I won't bother. <laughs> you won't be able to stand the size would you? A one-way ticket to nothingness. We're creeping with Armstrong. Do you know I have actually been hypnotised? Yeah. <laughs> I was hypnotised in an Audi um, car showroom and he did this thing where I was bending a coin with my hand supposedly whilst I was under hypnotic because he um, swapped a normal coin for a bent coin whispered to said, you're not going to hypnotise me um... Science fiction, television, random awesomeness Geek Squared Podcast On today's show we're talking about awkward childhood memories that's a bad let's subject. talk about doctor who yeah let's do that rethinking lost podcast uh, as we bring you yet another season six spoiler free look to get you through this ever shortening hiatus we've got 20 episodes in the can and the nice thing about it is they're relatively independent you can listen to them in any order mr jim moon explores the world of weird fiction in hypnobobs and tonight i have summoned you here once again to the great library of dreams for the first episodes of hypnobobs and of course scott copperman and elton mcmanus with an apotheosis of a bombast son bin laden stole my thunder for my birthday what a punk it was supposed to be National Elton Day. Well, he attacked America on my birthday. America took him out on your birthday. Wow, we're, we're like birthday brothers. Road2.com, without a doubt, the home of great podcasts.